This is Father Aaron with another podcast. Happy Sunday. It's the last Sunday before Lent, what the traditional Roman calendar would tell us to call Quinquagesima Sunday. In our gospel today, Christ exhorts us to be perfect. But just how possible is that, really? How are we supposed to live out what Christ is very clearly telling us to do in the gospel today? I often like to tell people about a discussion I had with my spiritual director while I was in seminary. It was during one of our earlier meetings when I was expressing my frustration at not seeming to make progress in the spiritual life in the same way that I saw the other seminarians around me making progress. So one day, after listening to me ramble for a bit, he asked me, very simply, to describe for him what I understood as holiness. And so I went on and listed a long list of various qualities, practices, etc. And after listening to me, he leaned back and he said, Well, you can identify all the things about holiness that you want to emulate. So why don't you try to do that? It made me think, you know, a lot of times we make the spiritual life or holiness into something that it's not. I don't mean to say it's easy, because it's not. But it's also not something that's impossible. Often we hear phrases like our Lord's today in the gospel, be perfect just as your heavenly Father is perfect. And we're very quick to tell ourselves that Jesus just means he wants us to do our best. He wants us to put our best foot forward, and that'll be enough. We heard that all the time when we were children, people telling us that perfection is impossible and that no one is perfect except Jesus. And so we just have to be the best that we can be. But, and I'm stealing this from my spiritual director as well, don't we congratulate students on their perfect attendance or their perfect score on an exam? Doesn't the government expect us to perfectly pay our taxes? Don't married couples expect perfect fidelity from one another? If we expect perfection in worldly matters, why do we not desire perfection when it comes to the things of God? Why do we hear Christ tell us very plainly in the gospel today to be perfect? And we just step back and say, well, that's impossible. So what I'm doing is going to, be have, to, good, going to have to be good enough. We hear the same thing in the first reading today. God speaks to Israel, be holy for I, the Lord, your God, am holy. I actually like the phrasing there a bit more. God commands Israel to be holy, not simply so that they can mimic his own holiness, but because he's holy. There's a causality there. Israel was in a covenant relationship with God, a matrimonial relationship. And it was only when Israel was unfaithful to that covenant that it began to suffer. 
If you've been going to Daily Mass lately, we've been hearing about the stories of David and Solomon, two great kings and the history of Israel, two kings who seem to generally always do what God expected of them, except the occasional act of infidelity, murder in the case of David, or building idols in the case of Solomon. But it was those two acts which eventually brought down the Davidic throne. Now Aaron, the high priest, the brother of Moses, was commanded to wear a golden plate on his head with the engraving holiness to the Lord. I've always wanted to get a patent to go with my chalice with that phrase engraved on it. The high priest wore this inscription to remind him and to remind Israel what they were meant to do. They were meant to be holy, holy for the Lord. It wasn't a reminder of the goal they were aiming for. Holiness was the standard. That is what they were meant to do. They were meant to be holy. Now, Jesus Christ wants us to actually try to be holy, and not to simply be satisfied with whatever cultural acts of Christianity we're content to be a part of. He wants us to actually have a spiritual life, to really work at being holy. And to help us along the way, he gives us a roadmap in the Sermon on the Mount, which we've been hearing the past few weeks in the Gospel. Now, last week I was away at the Diocese Catholic Youth Convention, And I explained to the attendees there that when Christ describes all these various parts of the moral law, he usually starts by naming the Old Covenant. He says, you have heard it was said, etc., etc. But then he goes on to elaborate upon it. He's not intending to give us a strict rule book in the way that the Old Covenant was understood. And the same is true in today's passage. We hear him talk about how we should offer the other cheek or go the extra mile. And we're not meant to interpret it in the sense that we should go looking for the opportunities to be put down, or that we should mathematically return back double what was done to us. In reality, he's explaining the old law and telling us how to live it now. In the old law, when someone was done some wrong, they were told the response was an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Now this line, and our Lord's response to it, has been taken by society and used as a sort of motto now. There's that quote that people often wrongly attribute to Gandhi, but really is just from some politician in the Canadian House of Commons, a quote that says, an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth leaves us blind and toothless. Well, that wasn't really how the Old Covenant was understood either. In the former law, this was a restriction. When you were harmed, you were not permitted to retaliate in any way that was greater than the harm you received. So if someone took your coat... You couldn't just then retaliate by taking their coat and the more important cloak. That would be injustice. Jesus Christ explains that true holiness sees the man take the coat and decides to go without. The Christian accepts the offense and goes along without complaint. Why? Because in the end of the day, the coat is not going to bring them holiness. It's a material thing. It's a worldly thing. And while it can keep us warm, we can go without it. It's a great story about St. John Cantius. He was a seminary professor in Poland who often liked to make journeys to holy places in his holiday time. But he must have been a very forgetful man because his students would often sew gold coins into his clothing to make sure he always had provisions in case he was lost or hurt. So one day he was traveling to Rome, and he was attacked by robbers who took all of his things in his bags and demanded that he handed over all the money he had. And St. John, fearful in the moment, responded honestly that he didn't have any other money, and the robbers went on. But after laying there in the road for some time, St. John remembered that there were coins sewn into his cloak, and that means he had just lied to the robbers. So he got himself up from the ground 
and he chased them down the roads, calling out, Stop! Stop! I found I've got some more money after all. The robbers were so impressed by him that they returned to him everything they had taken. What St. John Cantius teaches us is that when it comes to living a holy life, often the virtuous or the saintly thing isn't the common thing. That's why often the saints appear to be odd people to us. Holiness isn't just going along with cultural Christianity, showing up at Mass and making the sign of the cross when we see an ambulance. These are good things, yes, but we are meant to be more than good. We are meant to be perfect. We are meant to be holy. We are meant to be like Christ. And that's the real beauty of the incarnation, of God being made man. When we contemplate what goodness and perfection look like, we don't have to think about some limitless and formless being in a distant reality. No, on Holy Thursday evening, Philip the Apostle stands in the upper room and he says, Lord, show us the Father, and it will be enough for us. And Jesus replies, Have I been with you so long a time, and you have not known me? Philip, he that sees me sees the Father. The incarnation means that God has thrown himself upon us and put himself into our time. He becomes a specimen for us so that we can dissect him, observe him, look at all he does. God's ineffable mercy is translated into human language. It's as if God commanded his people to be holy, and they stood back and said, well, what does holiness look like? And so God spoke his word, Jesus Christ. And now we know. On Wednesday, we begin our 40-day journey to Easter, when the events of our salvation will be recalled for us. This year, may our prayer, fasting, and almsgiving during the holy season of Lent prepare us to truly respond to Christ's very real commandment in the gospel, that we be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect.
thank you for taking the time to listen in today. If you like what you hear, please go on iTunes and leave a good rating or comment. Also tell your friends and family about it, and visit the Diocese of Jackson Office of Vocations website for more great content. That's jacksonpriest.com. Jacksonpriest with an S.com. Thank you, and God bless.